Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Many people have stepped out of their faith, and most of those people stepped out of Christianity. And so this has really just been an invitation for you to come back and for you to hopefully begin your adult journey of faith. For some of you, it might be to start your adult journey of faith. For some of you, it might be to re-engage into your faith. And we want you to come back. And we want you to come back not with blinders on. Some of you left because you were told as a child to not ask too many questions. And you were just told to believe what we tell you. We want you to come back, but we want you to bring your hard questions. We want you to bring your skepticism. We want you to bring your science. We want to hear what it is that you have questions about. A lot of your questions are questions that we have too. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, you know, I I believe in God, but I don't like organized religion. Well, let me tell you something as a person who has been a pastor for quite a while and who has been in the church for even longer. You think organized religion is bad? You should see what disorganized religion looks like. So we're asking you to come back to take that step of faith. And, and, and what we have done here at, at Grace Point is we've tried to do everything that we can to create an environment where you can feel safe to ask the hard questions, where you know that we accept you here, that you are welcome here. Everything that we do here is geared towards making sure that your path to meeting Jesus and to learning to love him more is as easy as we can make it. The church needs you. This church needs you. Because if you have questions about your faith and you bring them here, then you know what it does? It keeps us honest. It keeps us real. It makes sure that we don't take for granted that everyone believes the same thing, that everyone understands the same thing, that we're all on a journey together, and that your questions are often our questions. One last thing, and and I want to talk specifically to those of you who are here today who are fathers, those of you who are listening to us online, there's one thing I want to say before we we continue on. And and for this, I want to take off my pastor hat for a minute, and I just want to talk to you. I would would want to say something to you, and not as as a pastor, but as as somebody who is older, who who has children that are now adults, who has kind of gone through it already. I want you to consider not letting your skepticism or your experiences from the past that may have led you away from God to not let those things rob your children of a foundation that will serve them for life. Now, I know many of you will look at that and you'll say, well, listen, I don't believe it. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I understand that. But for those of you who grew up in the church and who stepped away, and maybe when you stepped away, you took your wife and your kids, or when you stepped away, you took your kids, I want you to recognize, and I hope that you recognize, that even with all of the problems that you may have had, even with all of the, the, the discouragement that may have come with growing up in a place, or growing up in a time that lets you drift away from God, that there is something in your childhood that was good, 
that there was a foundation that was laid in all of those weekends that you spent at church that was good. And I just want to ask you to consider not robbing your children of that foundation. Because all we really want to do is, is we want everybody to take a step. We're not telling everybody to get to a destination. We just are inviting you to take a step. Because one of the things that we believe here at Grace Point is, is that you can belong before you believe. You can belong. You can be a part of, of this church before you believe. That means you can join any of the groups. In fact, you can even serve here. We would love to have you be part of our volunteer team here, even if you don't believe everything that we believe. And the reason that we do that, the reason that we believe in that is because when we look at Scripture, what we see is that the people who follow Jesus, at the beginning, they didn't believe either. In fact, Jesus' closest followers, they believed, then they didn't believe, then they believed, then they didn't know what to believe, and then they believed again. And so if you are at any place along that path, then you are on the path that God wants you to be. So that's why we'd say well, you can belong here before you believe. You can join, you, you can volunteer, you can be a part of everything that we're doing here. And all I really want is to invite you to just take a step, to take a step and come back. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about, and this is kind of a difficult thing, and, and we're actually going to spend the rest of our time together here, but there is something that I want to ask you to do. For those of you who grew up in the church, who grew up in faith, and somehow at some time you stepped away, I want to ask you to do something, and it's something that is hard. And it's, it's hard not just for you, but it's hard for everybody. It's hard for me. But since you guys are the ones that I'm talking to today, I just want to let you know this is a hard thing that I want you to do. And that is, I want you to be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Now, this is hard. This is hard for me. Because one of the things that we do to protect ourselves is we, we try to, to hide things that are painful around us. If we are not honest with ourselves then we're going to stay stuck where we are. If, if we're not honest with ourselves, we remove the opportunity that we have to grow. If we're not honest with ourselves, we would never get to where we want to be. And look, for some of you, where you are today, the entire track of your family would have been completely different. Your childhood would have been completely different if your dad was honest with himself or if your mom was honest with herself. If they saw the problems that were in their lives or saw the problems that were around them and said, yes, that's something I've got to deal with instead of pushing it aside or ignoring it or going past it. Some of you who have gone through terrible divorces, you know that if either you or your spouse had been honest with yourself, had, had the courage to say, you know what, this is my fault I am the one that is in the wrong here, that maybe you would still be married today. But it's, it takes courage to be able to say that I am the one with the problem. Now, you might be asking, okay, I get that, but what does that have to do with stepping away from faith? There's a gentleman, and his name is Thomas Nagel, and Thomas Nagel is a professor at NYU. He's a professor of uh, philosophy and law. 
And he wrote a book, and he wrote a book, and it's called uh, The Last Word. And in it, he writes this. And, and this is really amazing because in this book, Thomas Nagel, who is an atheist, he makes this extraordinary confession. This is what he writes. I want atheism to be true and am, am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. You see what he's saying? He's saying, listen, I, I want atheism to be true. There is something in me that this is what I want because I know there's intelligent people and they think something else. But I want this to be true. He goes on and he writes this. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. He doesn't want there to be a God. And I think if some of us were honest, and if some of us gave ourselves permission to be honest in this area, to be honest, I want you to take this from someone who went to church every week and stepped away from faith. Because you don't have to not go to church to have stepped away from faith. I went to church every single week, and I went through a time where I stepped away from my faith. But I did it not because of some revelation. It was because that's what I wanted to do. And if you scratch the surface, what you will hear is, I don't believe. That I listen to the stories and I, I listen to the people saying this and that and, and read the stories about this happening in the Bible and that. And I just think to myself, you know, that, oh, that's crazy. I don't believe that. And so we're happy to be at that surface place where it's, I don't believe. The problem is, is that if we're really honest with ourselves, if we dig a little bit deeper, what we realize is, is that it's not really that I don't believe. It's that I don't want to believe. See, don't believe is, I, I was told this as a child, and then I went to college, and my professors told me this, and all of a sudden I can't reconcile what they're telling me really happened in six million years ago and dinosaurs in the land. I can't reconcile that with what I was taught, and now I just can't believe. That's I don't believe. I don't want to believe is completely different. See, I don't want to believe means that, that it involves your will. It's, it involves you saying, listen, I, it's not that I don't have that information that's conflicting. It's that I just don't want to believe. I, I want to make the choice to not believe. And those are two different things. And so the question that I have for you is this. Did you lose faith? Did you step away from faith because of something that happened to you? Of some event in your life that made you just doubt God? Did you step away from your faith because you kept getting faith-based answers to your fact-based questions? Is that why you stepped away from faith? Or did you step away from faith, and I don't want you to be offended, but we're being honest with ourselves here. Did you step away from faith because faith 
became inconvenient. It became inconvenient for you. And so when it became inconvenient and you decided to step away, people asked you why. And you couldn't just say, well, you know, it was inconvenient. So you started to build up your argument for the reason that you stepped away. You needed to find data that would support your decision to step away. And that's why anytime someone wants to come to you and says, hey, you know, let me talk to you about this, that just bounces off of you. Because your decision wasn't based on information. Your decision was based on a decision. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century mathematician. He was a philosopher. He, he was like a childhood genius. He died when he was 39. He had all these interesting quotes. And, and this is one of them that he said. He says, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. And we're all guilty of this, right? All of us are. Because none of us, or maybe very few of us, but I have ne never met anyone like that. Everybody that I know, probably everybody that you know, none of us are on a mission to get to the truth. right? No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm ready to put aside my beliefs. I'm ready to put aside everything that I was taught. All I want to do is find out the truth. No one does that. Because none of us are on a mission to get to the truth. All of us, most of us, but I think all of us, are actually on a mission to get to happiness. Right? That's what we're looking for. And so we establish a worldview and we adopt a set of values that will allow us to be happy. And when our worldview or when our values start to make us unhappy, we change them. Now, guys, you know this. This has happened to you, right? You were, you were a, a, like me, you love steak, Right? A well-aged ribeye cooked in butter, sizzling at 500 degrees. Right? You love steak. But then you met this girl, and she was a vegetarian. And all of a sudden, meat is bad. Right? We all know people like this. We are people like this. We don't believe in alcohol. We don't believe in drinking. We meet a girl. She wants to go to a bar. All of a sudden, I'm drinking. We change our values based on what makes us happy. We all do this. All of us do. St. Augustine says this, We love the truth when it enlightens us. We hate the truth when it convicts us. Whether you're a guy or a girl, you've experienced this. When you were growing up, you argued with your parents, right? And you weren't trying to get the truth. You weren't trying to find the truth in your argument. You wanted to win. And so you would just argue and argue and argue, and you would do anything. You'd make any statement. You'd walk away. That's what I hate the most. So you'd make your last point, and then you'd walk away. I won. I got the last word in. Right? We do this. It wasn't to find the truth. It was to make a point. Husbands and wives, you know this. How many times have you been arguing with your spouse over something? And in the middle of it, as you're listening to them yell at you, uh, talk to you. Right? As you're experiencing that conversation, all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, crap. 
she's right. But listen, do we stop and go, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, what do we do? We keep arguing. And we use our intelligence, and we use our wit, and we use our words, and we'll do anything we can to twist that argument so that we will win. And then when we win, we'll back away. But you know this. You know that when you won that argument, that you didn't really win that argument. You know that you forced that argument. That's what we do. But see, when we won't admit what we suspect to be true, when we won't admit the things that, that may be deep inside us or, or the things that, that, that cause the hairs on the back of our head to stand up, when we won't admit what we suspect to be true, when we won't look in a direction, at a person, at a situation, at a problem, when we won't look for fear of what we might see. When we get into that situation, listen, when you recognize that that's where you are, that you won't admit what you suspect is true, or when you won't look for fear of what you might see, what it means is, is that underneath, there is something else there. There is something else that is going on that is keeping us from admitting what we suspect to be true or from looking for fear of what we might see. There's something else going on. And so what I want to ask you, what I want to ask you to consider is that if you stepped away from faith, if you stepped away, then could it be one of these reasons? Could it be that the reason that you stepped away from faith isn't the reason that you said it was, but it was actually something else? Could it be, and I don't know, but could it be that you're thinking that if God is, if there is a God, if God is out there, if God is who Jesus said he was, could it be that if God is, then I'm guilty? Now, we don't like this word. We don't use it a lot. It brings up a lot of other feelings, right? There are things in your past that are so big, that are so painful, that are huge. There are things in your past that, and, and you don't like to use this word, but there are things in your past that are, they're a little embarrassing. And you don't want to look at them. And you don't want to deal with them. And we wrap ourselves in a culture that says that those things in your past they're just mistakes, right? That's the language that we use. They're mistakes. But could it be deeper? Could it be something that you've heard and I've heard that it's something called sin? Because that's a hard word. That's one of those religious words, that Bible words that, that we stay away from. We don't want to say that we've sinned. So we say, I made a mistake. Listen, the biggest mistakes that you made in your life, you weren't alone. The biggest mistakes that you made in your life, there was someone else there. There were someone else there who felt the brunt of it, who paid the price for your mistakes. And you hurt other people. 
You hurt other people, and now you owe somebody some things, right? You owe her those first few years of marriage that she's never going to get back. You owe your kids something that you took away from them when you were busy doing something that you shouldn't have been doing. And we don't want to look at that because we can never pay those things back. And the essence of that, thinking about that, it follows us around wherever we go. It's like a scar on us that we don't pay attention to it, but every once in a while we look in the mirror and we see it. it, it it's, it's like that, that smell that, that everyone kind of gets a whiff of but doesn't know what it is, but you know what it is. And you can never shake it. You can never get rid of it. And so you don't want to look at it as anything other than I just made a mistake. And because of that, you walked away from your faith. Maybe that's your story. Or maybe could it be that, that if God is, then I'm accountable. And listen, I'll start this with me. I don't want to be accountable. I don't like being accountable. You don't like being accountable. Because when we're accountable, it means that we have to submit to something. Look, if you had a choice, if I had a choice, and we could somehow be our own gods, most of us would jump at that. We want to make the right decisions. And yet all the way from what Christians believe is the beginning of time, at the story of the Garden of Eden, and whether you believe that the story of the Garden of Eden is true or whether you believe that it's a fable or a, a parable, from the very, very beginning, people have dealt with this with this feeling inside that I want to do it on my own, that I want to be the one to make the decisions, that, that I can handle whatever it is that life can throw at me, right? I am the one who decides. And then we fool ourselves and we say, I can manage the outcomes. I can handle the danger." But that's actually all an illusion. It's what, it's an illusion of autonomy. Because we think that we can make decisions and live our lives and it only affects us. But you know this, you make decisions and they don't just affect you. They affect the people that are around you. And unaccountable people always make regretful decisions. Unaccountable people always make regretful decisions. And then you get one unaccountable person, and they go and they marry an, another unaccountable person, and they eventually end up with unresolvable conflict. And so maybe for you, you fear kind of stepping back towards God. Because, listen... If you admit that there's a God, then you're going to have to submit to God, right? If you admit that God exists, then if there is a God and He is God, then there's something in you that you recognize that if I'm going to admit it, then I have to submit to it. And none of us like to submit, right? We all want to be in charge. We don't want to be accountable to anybody, and especially we don't want to be accountable to God. Now, why is that? 
Why is it that we have so much trouble accepting the things that are good for us? Why is that? I don't know. But when we do that, what many of us have done is that rather than accept that accountability, we just live our lives as fast and as loud as we can and hope that as life goes by, that we don't notice anything else and that God just remains a blur. And here's the last one. If God is, if there is a God, if God exists, if God is, then I'm wrong. There's a TV show in the 70s called Happy Days. Anybody remember Happy Days? Right? And the Fonz made a mistake and he had to say that he was wrong. I love that episode because he was like, I am... He couldn't, the words just wouldn't come out of his mouth. Listen, we're like that too, right? It's very rare that we have a moment where we can look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, I was wrong. It's hard for us to do. There is something inside us that doesn't like that, that we don't want to admit that, that the things that we do sometimes are wrong. But listen, humility is always the way forward. Humility is the way that we are able to improve from where we are. Humility is the only way that we can see where the right is because the fastest way to get to what is right is by admitting and accepting what is wrong. When you're humble, you're smarter. When you're humble, you're wiser. When you're humble, you become open to new information. but we resist that. So here we are. If God is, then I'm guilty. If God is, then I'm accountable. If God is, then I'm wrong. And we don't want to be guilty. And we don't want to be accountable. And we don't want to be wrong. And so we look at this, and if this is the option that I have, if stepping back into faith means that all of a sudden I'm guilty, and I'm accountable, and I'm wrong... Well then, listen, I'm going to keep my arguments and I'm going to stay as far away from God as I can. But these aren't arguments. Come on, you know this. Those aren't arguments against God. Those are responses. But they're not arguments against God. And the thing is, is that you can't just tell people, well, I don't want to be guilty and I don't want to be accountable and I don't want to feel like I'm wrong, so... I'm just not believing in God. You sound like an idiot. And because we don't like sounding like idiots, what do we do? We gather information. We gather facts, right? We bookmark articles on Facebook. And, and, and we gather our arsenal so that when someone comes at us with God, we've got something to shoot back at them with. But listen, isn't it true that your arguments against God came after your decision to step away from God? If you ever at a point in your life, or even, even 
now, if you are in the process of stepping away from faith, stepping away from God, maybe stepping towards something else, isn't it true that the arguments that you came up with for stepping away from God came after your decision to step away from God? See, your arguments weren't what caused you to make the decision. It was your decision that came first. And you came up with those arguments because you did not want God to be. And that's why many step away from God. Because they didn't want God to be there. But there is good news. Because, see, here's the thing. When you recognize that your resistance to God is not about your experience, it's not about your, your information that you came, it's not about, about a, a logical conclusion, when you recognize that your resistance to God is really about your personal resistance to God, that you are just, you personally are in a place where you resist being accountable and wrong and guilty, when you recognize that that is the reason that you are stepping away or you have stepped away from faith, then the great news that I have for you is that you have walked into the epic story of a God who loved the people that he created so much that he wanted to restore the relationship that we broke with him. Listen to what I'm saying. If you are resisting God because it is inconvenient, if you are resisting God because there's just something in you that wants to push away, you are be part of a struggle that has affected billions of people over time. Billions of people who have struggled with submitting to God. Listen, I have struggled with it. There are many people that you know that you respect in your life who have lived a life as a Christian, who've lived in life going to church, and they will tell you that there were moments in their life, there may have even been years in their life, with they, where they struggled with submitting to God. Because it's hard. It's, it's hard to do that. And yet the message of the gospel tells us that if you are there, if you are where you recognize that you have personal resistance to God, that there is good news for you. Because if Jesus was correct, and we have evidence to prove that the things that Jesus said were true, but if Jesus was correct, and especially if he was correct about the things that he told us about God, then if God is then there's forgiveness. If God is, then there's forgiveness. That God can take that pain and that hurt and that huge mistake that you made and use that as a platform for Him to demonstrate His love for you. I say it all the time. I quote Paul when he says that I am the chief among sinners. And there is not a week that goes by that I'm not sitting in that front row waiting to come up here 
that I think I am the most unworthy to be standing here in front and talking about God. And I look back at the mistakes that I've made in my life and the hurts that I've made in my life, and this is what I can tell you, is that God has taken those and that is what He used to build in me what He wanted me to be. And He promised that for everyone else. In fact, Paul put it best. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Rome, and he said this. And, and there's a word here that I think sometimes we gloss over. And if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this verse before. But we always skip over the first part to get to the second part. Now listen to what he says. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. He demonstrates. Have you ever been to Costco and you watch the guy with the Vitamix and he's demonstrating? Right? He's putting in the mango and the pineapple and juice and everything. And he goes, here, try this. He's demonstrating it. He is showing you. He is proving to you. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners. Not, not while we were still mistakers. Not while we were still I'm only humaners. While we were sinners, while we were making active decisions to do what we knew we shouldn't be doing, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And we look at this, and, and we don't want to say that we're sinners, but listen, you know. Those biggest mistakes in your life? Admit it. We knew what was going to happen. We told ourselves that we could manage it, but we knew what was going to happen. We did it on purpose. We thought that we could deal with the aftermath. And God demonstrates His love for us that while we were still doing what we were doing, that he sent Jesus to die for us. Atheists will say, well, you know, if, if God is love, then why doesn't he just forgive everybody, right? Why, doesn't he, why does there have to be all the blood? Why does there have to be all the death? If God can do anything, then why can't God just forgive everyone? Well, see, the reason that God, from the very beginning came after you and me is because God wanted to restore a relationship. Because if God is, there's not just forgiveness, but there's also a relationship with God. And you know this, I don't know that you love me unless I see you sacrifice for me, right? How do we prove to somebody that we love them? We sacrifice for them. Come on, guys, you get this. Right? We drive two hours to see her for 10 minutes to drive back for two hours. Why do people do that? We sacrifice because we want to prove our love. And it's the same with God. See, God didn't, just, didn't want to just forgive everything for no reason at all. He wanted to restore a relationship with you and me. And the only way to restore that relationship was for there to be a sacrifice. 
And he provided the sacrifice. It wasn't even us that had to do it. He was the one. God forgave. And then he paid. And no one does that. But he did that. So you wouldn't have to. So if God is, there's forgiveness. And if God is, then there's relationship. But also, if God is, then there's truth. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But if God is, then there's truth. That there, there is an objective standard for what is right and what is fair and what is just in the world. That that feeling that you have inside you that tells you that something is wrong. Or that feeling inside that tells you that, that something has to be different. That that comes because there's truth. And if God is then there is truth, and there is a basis for justice, and there's a basis for fairness. So if God is, then there's forgiveness. And if God is, and then He wants us to be in relationship with Him. And if God is, then there's truth. So if the question is, who wants God? Then look, for all of us, there are times when none of us do, that none of us want God. But if the question is, who needs God anyway, then maybe all of us do. James was the brother of Jesus, and I always find that funny because I, I think to myself, what would one of my brothers have to do for, for him to convince me that he was the Son of God, right? Right? And if you know my brothers, then you know how ridiculous that is. <laughs> but James was the brother of Jesus. And when James and Jesus were still alive, James and a lot of his family, they thought that Jesus was crazy. In fact, it was documented in Scripture that they thought that Jesus was, you know, had a... but James watched his brother die. And then a couple of days later was having breakfast with him on the beach. And when that happens, all of a sudden, he was like, okay, I believe you. You're right. Because how many people do that? A lot of people predict their death. How many people predict that they're going to come back to life? Well, his brother did. And James believed. And James dedicated the rest of his life to following his brother who was his Lord. In the end, in fact, James would be stoned to death because of his faith in his brother, because of his faith in Jesus. But before that, he wrote this letter, and the letter is called James, because that's how they titled books in those days. <clears throat> and this is what James wrote. He says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And I think when James wrote this, he must have been thinking, wait a second, that's a hard thing to do. That's hard for us. Because once we've drawn away from God, as it is in any relationship, it's hard to start to draw back, right? It's hard. So he goes on and he clarifies this, and he says this, Wash your hands, you sinners. 
Now, this was a euphemism, and what James was basically saying is, listen, admit it. Admit it. Admit what you're doing. Admit that you know. Admit that you are doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Admit that you are sinners. And then he says, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. And what he's saying by that is, listen, you can't just admit it, but you've got to quit playing games. You can't be thinking one way one time and another way the other time. You've got to be honest with yourself. You have to, you have to come to a place where you can acknowledge what you know in your heart is true. And then you're going to look at that thing that you're afraid of looking at, that you're afraid is going to bring back all of those memories, that you're afraid is going to make life even harder than it is now. He's saying, listen, be honest. Don't hide behind the facts. Quit playing games. God already knows. And then he says this. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us because we know in all of our relationships that when we humble ourselves, that's the first step to reconnecting the relationship. Isn't it? Isn't it that when you make a mistake and you offend somebody in your life, you offend somebody that you care about, that the only way for you to draw back to them, to bring them back in close, to try to restore that relationship, isn't the only way for that to happen is when you take the step of humbling yourself? It's the same with God. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you are doing today, no matter what you might do in the future, humble yourselves before the Lord. And then he closes with this. And he will lift you up. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.